This is Texas State Spit Talk. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! Welcome back to another episode of Texas State Spit Talk. Man, we've had a, a lot of traffic on KTSW Sports the past few weeks. And so if you this is the first time hearing the podcast, welcome to the show. This is Texas State Spit Talk episode 11. My notes say 10. I'm incorrect on that. Episode 11. Uh, this is our weekly podcast where we just give you our honest takes on Texas State Athletics, what's going on, maybe some pro stuff. I think in today's show, give you all a quick preview. Well, we're going to talk about, I'm sure this is the reason you're here, the Denise Trouth Larry Tice interview. You'll hear some bits and pieces of that in today in today's episode, as well as our discussion on what they said. Then we'll talk about Texas State football and finish it up with some MLB baseball and NFL football talk. So welcome to Texas to Texas State Spit Talk, the official podcast of Texas State and KTSW Sports. So we have a lot of good time here. I'm your host, Reed Graff. To my right, Peyton Hill, straight across from me. Mark Brown, to my left, is the man Brendan Snow. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Hi. Oh, we were all just seeing like introductions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was all expecting right. like a catchphrase, and all I got was uh, highs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they kind of threw me off my vibe right there too. So, uh, but we're Kendrick. excited. We got some stuff. We have some stuff, stuff. man. Uh, uh, for the, like I said, I know a lot. We're gonna have a lot of new new, new listeners this week. So, welcome to the show. Just to introduce some of the guys in the room. To my left, Brendan Snow. He's the one of the main guys for San Marcos Rattlers broadcast this year, alongside myself. Mark Brown does a lot of stuff for KDSW, as well as he's the voice of Gonzalez High School football. And of course, to my right, Peyton Hill. He's the voice of Blanco High School. So we have a lot of guys that know their stuff in the football world. Yeah, let's talk high school football forever. Forever. Uh, Drake. That, at least that play that that stays safe down there. Um, but no, guys, we have some big stuff to talk about. Um, as this podcast went up at noon today, which is Thursday, uh, I'm sure you've already been to the interview that also went up today. Uh, our very own Riley Chestnut, sports director, and Brandon, you were there as well. They were able to have a fantastic interview with Texas State University President Denise Trouth and the athletic director here at Texas State, Larry Tice. Um, very uh, rare to get them to talk, really especially rare. at the same time. Really that's why, rare. That's why it's uh, such a big deal. You see, we, we kind of hinted at it at Twitter saying, hey, we got an ex- uh, exclusive coming in with uh, Dr. Tice and Dr. Trouth, and everyone's all over it. Hey, where is it? Hey, where is this? We know we put out some snippets and some quotes and stuff, and everyone's, wow, really this, that. It's big. Th- this they're is big. Eager. This is big in the San Marcos area. Uh, Texas State University, specifically football, has been getting a lot of traction lately. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, and we're going to try and stay out of our opinion side of it. We just want to tell you all what exactly is going on. Um, but to start, we're going to do something that we've never really gotten to do on Tech State Spit Talk. We are going to play some of this audio from Denise Trout and Larry Tice. So if you haven't heard it yet, this is your first time hearing it, if you want to hear the full interview, it's going to be on our blog, KTSW Blog. That is where it's going to be, the entire interview 
you want to hear everything they said, go there. This is what we're about to play. It's just the highlights and some of the things that I wanted to talk about um, personally, because there was a lot. There was a lot to break down. A lot to break down in this interview. So if you want to really listen to all of it and give your honest opinions on it, go to KTSW's blog and check it out right now. It is up. You won't want to miss this. So definitely go check that out. But without further ado, let's go ahead and play just what I thought were the highlights of KTSW sports president, sports director, uh, Riley Chestnut's interview with the Texas State University president, Denise Trouth, and the athletic director of Texas State Athletics, Larry Tice. It's a fairly complex process, but it's also a highly restricted process. Uh, basically, you have to be invited to join an athletic conference. Typically, a conference knows how many universities they want to have in their conference. So the invitation only comes if there's an opening. Now, we were invited initially to join the WAC when we moved up to FBS. The Sun Belt's a very competitive conference. I think that's apparent to everybody who watches our games and matches. Actually, the Sun Belt's a great fit for us right now. We're playing well in almost all of our sports, and it's no secret we're struggling in football, and hopefully we can get that better. But um, right now, we're in the Sun Belt, and yeah, I think people misinterpret leagues and moving around. I think a lot of people think if you just want to go to the Big 12, you drive up and unload your equipment at the office and join in and say we're at the Big 12. Um, it's just one of those things. You have to be invited by a group of schools, and it's a lot of it's not based on academic or athletic performance. It's based on the university itself. We are very aware of it, Riley. I mean, we are, I personally am just, am just as disappointed uh, as our fans are with our win-loss record in football this year. Well, and me too. I mean, I, I did. I don't want to be one and four, and that, and it, and I hate it for everybody, and I hate it for the football coaches. I hate it for the student athletes in football. Um, I hate it for everybody in the department. I mean, we want to get better. That's what we're trying to do, and and I don't want it to take away. Unfortunately, nobody else covers all the other successes we've had. But, you know, Karen Chisholm walked into my office 45 minutes ago and gave me a big hug and said, hang in there and don't worry about what anybody says. You're doing a great job. And I said, I know, Karen, but I don't want it to take away from what you're doing. And she said, it's not. We're The first year we could be bowl eligible, which was 14. We were bowl eligible. Mm -hmm. And then we could be bowl eligible. Fifteen, we were seven and five, and we were bowl eligible. So I know that we are capable of doing better than we're doing. I know that we made a successful transition from FCS to FBS, and it is disappointing to be where we are right now. You know, we've hired coaches that have won at other places, and they're struggling here, so we're trying to find the right formula to make it work. Is this where you exactly thought to – what did you expect the football team to be at this point in Coach Withers' tenure when you hired him over two years ago? Better. Well, I don't want them to happen. And, you know, as I said, we're getting better. We're just not winning, and that's the problem. I mean, 
You know, three years ago we lost to them by 24, two years ago 17, this year 15. Last year we lost to UTA by UTSA by 30, this year we lost by four with a freshman quarterback. So we're making a little bit of progress, but I would prefer to win those games. I think people really underestimate the Sun Belt, too, and how good the Sun Belt is in football. We were bowl eligible the first year we could be bowl eligible. And I, on the one hand, I see no reason why we shouldn't be bowl eligible right now. But we have a very young team uh, with, as Dr. Ty said, when you're playing with a freshman quarterback, um, it, it's tough. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's no secret. Coach Withers, I mean, the first year he took it down to bare bones to start back over. And um, I think he may have underestimated how strong the competition is and how long it would take to rebuild back up because I think we only have eight seniors right now. And it's hard to win with eight seniors. And to, to take it down to bare bones and start back over, Believe me, I even asked him one time, why didn't you go get a bunch of junior college kids? And he said, because I want to start with freshmen and build up Bobcats that are Bobcats from day one and finish as Bobcats. And he's he's taken the long road to do it, which in some cases is frustrating for a lot of people. Uh, but that was the plan he laid in place. Well, I don't know about the certain questions you can't answer or can't ask unless it was um, about uh it was about play calling oh well and i that's going to be up to the coaches and i'm sure they don't want to give out why they call certain plays at certain times because i'm sure it's going to happen again um that they may want to call the same play at another time but i'm sure yeah i mean and if i wasn't in the press conference um, i was down there talking to the Louisiana Lafayette. AD at the end of the game about a meeting we had in New Orleans starting the next day. So uh, I, I'll i listen to the tape and find out what happened, and then I'll go visit with Coach Withers to, to make sure we are doing things professionally. Yeah, one of them is I travel so much, and I always have in this business. I'm on NCAA committees, and we have other meetings I go to, and it's not easy to get to Sunbelt meetings. It takes time. I honestly don't want people to know when I'm not at home because I've had wife and daughters living there by themselves a long time. And I also have always had a theory that it's not about me. It's about the department. And I want the student athletes to have a voice and the coaches to have a voice. And um, I want to make sure this is bigger. It's not about me personally, um, because I could just add the same things that our media relations and other people do. Well, we're just trying to take care of Texas State. Um, and we're two different schools that play in two vastly different size stadiums and different media markets and different recruiting areas that uh, they have a bigger space right now down there in San Antonio area. And so, I mean, we, we try to do what we can with what we have and we would like to beat them every year, but you know, it is what it is right now. We are taking a hard look at the marketing of the university in general and, and, that includes athletics. Uh, we have two big initiatives going on to do both public relations and branding of the university at the national level and then at the, the state level. And truthfully, you can't brand a university in one part. Now, I don't disagree with you at all that football is the flagship. Football is the front door. 
football is very, very important in terms of how a university in Division One FBS is perceived. But on the other hand, the whole university has to be great if you're going to brand it, if you're going to market it nationally. So we're going through a long but good process here to make sure that we're branding Texas State correctly. But there's no question a winning football team would make that branding easier. There is absolutely no question about that. Wow. That, like I said, there's a lot to break down there, guys. Um, one of the first things I want to mention to you guys was uh, the talk about moving to another conference. And, and one of the things they talked about was how there's a lot that goes down to getting into a new conference. And one of the things that Larry Tice said, and, and I do tend to agree with him on this, is um, he, he said a lot of people get the misconception that you can just say, hey, we want to join the Big 12. And the Big 12 would be like, you know what? Yeah, we'll let, we'll let you in. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it. He mentioned there, it, there was a geographic aspect to it. Um, I guess that plays a part in a little bit. I, think, I guess. I think a big reason Texas State got into the Sun Belt was because they wanted a Texas representation. Um, and they seized uh, the moment. Take that for what you will. I, I honestly think the reason Texas State's going to really have any trouble going to the next level is, well, I mean, A, um, we don't have a great re representation football-wise uh, over the past uh, over the past decade, let's be honest, and, and that's the money sport. But also, we just don't ha get, have great attendance at games. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I think what Riley was getting at asking these questions, he, he was hinting more at, because we talked about the questions before the phone call, you want to know the end game. Is is this Texas State's peak? Do they Are they comfortable being a Sun Belt team forever, a G5 team? Or do they have future aspirations of trying to do everything they can to get into a Power 5 conference? Obviously, they're not ready yet in any sport. Not uh, even close. Well, they have the attendance that they should be in a Power 5 conference, you know? Uh, I mean, like attendance at the university. Uh, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Enrollment. Like, like total it, enrollment. Enroll total enrollment, yes. yeah. We but have a big enough school no, to be able to do that. But the reputation that we have been like that we've had just kind of prevents people yeah. from going to and games exactly. and just being a part of uh, that experience. And it's hard, especially in San Marcos to have people go to sporting events. Um, it's just not a big thing people do here. And I think yeah, that's part of example. the problem, right? You have to get uh, butts in the seats. It's like a culture. Aspect. And I think, and I think we do a decent job of that in baseball. Baseball had great attendance last year. I was actually, I was just about every single home game and I was want to see surprised. I mean, more often than not, there was good crowds. Texas State volleyball has its own little following that people don't ever miss those games. Um, it, but the thing that's, that stands out to me more than anything, guys, uh, there is a there is a dedicated fan fan base for Texas State athletics. Just look at how Twitter has reacted to some of the recent stuff coming out. People care. It's just a matter of getting the majority of people to care because yeah, they know do. that they can be better. Now, Mark, what are your thoughts? What I was going to say about that is. Uh, as far as caring, see, we do. I say we do have a good amount, but we need to increase it better. And I noticed, uh, uh, as far as students goes, like we have a large enrollment. So in order to add on to that, a lot of students don't even know who the quarterback is. Like if you were to mention Willie Jones the third, or if you were to mention uh, Tyler Vitt, they're gonna be like, who, who the heck is that? Who's that? Yeah, and you, you would hope that Tyler Vitt's able to change that because he. And I think he is truly. We're gonna get to this a little bit here, a little bit, uh, breaking down the game against Louisiana Lafayette. But I think Tyler Vitt's truly a really good quarterback. I really do. I mean, that's just. The kid makes reads, I mean, he makes throws. Too. So he's a freshman, and he's already yeah. throwing for 300 yards. He gets a pretty good That defense, quick release so. we saw him, he has a quick release, that's for sure. He's the, um, the best throwing motion. Snow's about to trash I'm ready, for, I'm ready for that when we get into it. No, yeah, he, he gets to go last. We're going we're gonna to get to that. <laughs> we're going to get to that later. Uh, 
but and also another thing I want to mention, it was one of the things that uh, Denise Trout said. And <laughs> I don't want to make this as, a, as any kind of slight to her, but she just sounds like a proud mom when she talks about Texas State Athletics. You know, that's just the, the, the she take. She kind of has that, to, though. I mean, yeah. that's not a bad thing. I, I love that she, she genuinely cares. Um, and I, that's one thing I definitely picked up from her in this interview, that she's not oblivious to what's going on. Well, uh, really well informed. No, one of the things she, she said, she mentioned uh, Riley asked if they were aware of alumni and fans' reactions and what they thought, and she said, well, I'm kind of right there with them. I'm disappointed with how they've played, and I think we should be better as well. And that seemed very genuine to me. Uh, and like I said, she just kind of seems like the proud mom that she's like, well, they're, they're, they're getting better, you know? Uh, that, that was the common theme of the interview. It exactly. Was, we, we are upset. We are frustrated also, but we're getting better. But they're just saying they're just saying that trying to make you f- make us feel better. hundred percent, and that's that's really what this was more than anything, right? They just want to let people know that they're not oblivious to the situation. But um, I don't know what were y'all's thoughts. She so her specific words were, um, well, she said she said that she wasn't oblivious to that th- that the team was struggling and that she herself felt that the team could perform better. Another thing she said it was re- referencing being bowl eligible. Um, she she said, um, I, I really don't want to. It's not it's not a direct quote because I don't know it perfectly. But she was saying along the lines of she remembers when we were bowl eligible and unfortunately didn't get the bid. And then she said she feels like this is a, this is a team that could be bowl eligible. And she's like, I don't know why we're not. Um, which I guess is what she's trying to say is her expectation is to be bowl eligible. I, I, I assume. Here, here, here you go. Here you go. I pulled the quote up. I had a few of them ready on my phone. That's good. When we moved from FCS to FBS, the first year we could be bowl eligible, which was 2014, we were bowl eligible. In 2015, we were seven and five, and we were bowl eligible. So I know we're capable of doing that, doing what we were doing. And I, I, just, I think she's 100 percent right in saying that. Uh, also, you got to be better than seven and five to if you if you're just coming but into. But you have to remember, you know, the FBS. They were the only. Gotta prove your they were the only seven win team in the country to not get a bowl yeah. offer. It, it's it's oh. very strange, and the reason was. Not enough attendance. Not enough attendance. Not, Not enough games. specifically road attendance is what Larry Tice said. Larry Tice said the Bulls, they want to see your road attendance. Yep. They want to be safe in knowing that if we give you all the bull bid, you're going to sell tickets and people are going to travel, um, which I could see that being an issue for Texas State. Mm-hmm. I've never personally in my time here, I've never seen people talk about, hey, let's get a bus and go to Louisiana. I've, I mean, I've never – it wouldn't. it doesn't surprise me that Louisiana Lafayette is able to get bowl games because every time we play them in anything – they travel. I mean, Louisiana Lafayette fans, they travel, and I can't, I can't say the same about Texas State. Um, they travel well to UTSA, but again, that's just right down the road. So and also there's two words. Yeah, oh, sorry, my bad. But there's two words that can uh, grant that, grant that wish for all Texas State uh, fans that we have for now. Win games. Win games. Win games. That's, Win a, that's games. what it comes down that, to. That was said a lot too. No, they, yeah. they know things won't change until football you know starts winning. Winning games helps change the culture because. When I went to Tech my first semester, on Saturdays, everyone is doing something that has to do with the football game. They get the tortillas going, ready. Yeah, yeah. Either you're going to the game with the 65,000 other people, you're watching it from a bar or restaurant, wherever you're at, but you're all, like, everyone is invested into it. Exactly. And I get San Marcos is a small town, which kind of doesn't help because, you know, we're in between San Antonio and uh, – Austin, mm-hmm. but really we could market our school differently than like we're we're a team that's trying to expand our our uh, football program, but also we're not the typical football school. You know what I mean? And you might have late in that interview, uh, Ty starts talking about 
and trial thing, we don't try to look at what other schools are doing us. We talked yeah. about, like, hey, UTSA, you know, you guys both kind of jumped in the FBS same time, and UTSA has shot up, and you have gone nowhere. You know, what is up with that? Yeah, and, and shout out to Riley. I feel like Riley, Riley did a good job of asking the questions everybody wanted to hear asked. Absolutely. And then they kind of came back and said, oh, we try to focus on Texas State. We try to do do what we can do in our power. Like, what? Go go look at what other schools are doing that's working and steal it. That's not exactly, against the law. Yeah. That's not <laughs> now, here's where, where – It's called learning. The, yeah. the next thing I want to bring up is where um, – so we had, we had uh, Ricky Doyle on today's Bobcat Radio Wednesday. It was a great interview, and one of, he was actually kind of praising Larry Tice in a way. He thought Larry Tice is actually doing a, a decent job. Um, he didn't say he was perfect, but he, th- he, d- he thought he was doing a decent job. And I, and I get some of the things he was saying, and if you want to hear that, that Bobcat Radio is now up on KDS Studio blog as well. That's another interview I would highly suggest you listen to. Um, but what, one of my biggest takeaways from this interview, uh, Brendan, and I'm sure you got this the same thing as well, um, it was around the part where Riley asked Larry Tice about Coach Withers' behavior after the game against Louisiana, and so he he so Riley described Withers' behavior after that post game, and then also went on to talk about how Withers is not allowing us to ask questions about play calling. He's not allowing any of the media to ask questions about play calling at press conferences anymore, and this is this is the alarming part. Larry Tice had no idea. Yeah. He hadn't None. he hadn't seen the post game really? presser from Louisiana. Yep. He hadn't seen he, the he had he didn't no idea what questions were being banned. That's concerning to me. Okay, right now we are reading a book in in Larry Carlson's class, the system, and a lot in the system. It's about college football and, and a lot of scandals and a lot of scandals. And one of the things that they one of the chapters it talks about an athletic director's job. And I don't remember specifically who the athletic director. I believe it was with Washington State. And uh, but, already sounds but, sketchy. But but one of the things this is actually something that I want to point that they're doing right. It seemed like that AD, I believe his name was Moose, was constantly in contact with the head coach. Talked to him three four times a week. Knew what was going on. And Larry Tice, this is a game that happened a week ago. This video, this interview was today, and he didn't even know. And it blew up on social and, media. and it blew up on Twitter, and he didn't even know how the press game post game presser went. Wow. And then he didn't even know what questions were being banned at the press conferences. That is really concerning to me. I feel like, one, Withers is a problem. Tice is on the fence. Two, he should also watch the postgame presser or Why? anything that has to do with I don't want to come. I don't want to say anything. We're trying to stay on some thin ice here because uh, I don't want to come after because Larry Tice. Like I said, I think uh, some of the things that Ricky Doyle pointed out with Spectrum Sports is that He's doing some things well. He, I mean, he's they're renovating things. Look at look at Strand Arena. It looks great it looks now. Looks amazing. No, it really does. Um, there's, so there's he's doing some good things. Don't, you don't want to discredit him for that. But football is your biggest sport. It's your it's your money making sport. You need to be at every press conference. You need to be in the know how. And the fact that he didn't know these little details, as minute details as they seem, you just you just have to be on top of this kind of stuff. And that that was a little that was a little concerning to me. It wasn't necessarily like, a, oh, that's bad, bad, bad. But it, it's like you 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 talk about how you want to see this team improve. I need I need to to know that you're fully invested in this team and that you were in the know. Yeah, he said at the time he was talking to the Louisiana athletic director. Cause I guess at a meeting the next day in New Orleans, convert uh, concerning Sun Belt things. Then also when he talked about with that, he tried the. You know, play both sides a little bit. He said on uh, Withers' side, it's like, well, maybe you know they don't want to give away you know their decision making, their tendencies, and 
certain play calls that they like to do in certain situations because that could be, you know, giving away a scouting report. I don't think other – I haven't really seen that oh, problem yeah, with other schools, other teams. Let's run the ball with the QB. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fourth and two. We was wondering, you know, why you just had to run the ball there. Just tell us we believe in our guys. We what be, what know, was the thought making behind that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just you know, just make us feel good a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> not, not uh, try to throw that against us. And something else they said that I found that, you know, we kind of thought he'd, this might happen going into it. We asked him, uh, you know, about the football su- lack of success and this and that. He goes, quote, we want to be better. And he said, unfortunately. Unfortunately, nobody else covers all the other successes we've had. But, you know, Karen Chisholm walked into my office 45 minutes ago and gave me a big hug and said, hang in there and don't worry about what anybody says you're doing. A gr- you're, you're doing a great job. And I said, I know, Karen, but I don't want to take any away from anything you're doing. She said it's not. Okay, we cover volleyball. San Marcos no, yeah, Daily yeah. Record we, covers volleyball. We cover everything here in KDSW Sports. Uh, sure Austin, Austin American Statesman, they cover basketball. They're in there on volleyball. They get the same coverage they get from football. They get everywhere else. So I don't know 100% where he's getting that at. No, uh, that, that one kind of that one kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I saw on, on social media when that quote got out, it rubbed a lot of other media members from the area the wrong way. Yeah, it, you got to be careful with that. No, that, that's one of those things. Where you, I think he might have spoke out of out of term. I guess um, he wasn't quite thinking when he answered that. But at the same, another thing I also want to touch on real quick, and then we'll get to Texas State football because we do need to talk about. The Louisiana Lafayette game. There's also there's a lot to break down in that one as well. Mm. Um, this is this is a jam packed show, everybody. Uh, Riley asked him about having a Twitter account, um, and he said a lot of other successful athletic directors have Twitter's accounts and they're very involved uh, with their community. And I was so 50-50 on Larry Tice's answer. So he said, <laughs> he said one of the main reasons he doesn't have one is because he. Oh, tra- oh wait, I was waiting for. That. I'm sorry, I zoned out. I was waiting for this yeah. one. Actually, so it was like uh, <laughs> one of the three reasons he doesn't have one is because he travels a lot. And my initial reaction, my immediately, I was driving in my car and I was like, "Bro, everybody travels a lot." But and then he went on to say <laughs> he doesn't want. Um, so you mean to tell me all ads don't travel? Come on now. But uh, and, uh, and, uh, but let's get on. And he also said he he doesn't want. It to be about him. He wants it to be about his team and his players. Which, in a way, I understand what he's getting at. It's but like, it yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to take away. You don't want to take away the focus from your players. But more than anything, um, it's just you see that athletic directors need to have some kind of way to communicate with their fans. Ask. Uh, we we've heard about the Texas AD. He always is asking what his what his fans think about the stadium, what can be improved, and I think that's something Larry Tice needs to do a little bit better job of. Yeah, so Riley asked, and that's exactly who Riley re- uh, referenced. He said Chris Del Conte up at UT. Mm-hmm. That's you know he wants fans to tweet at him so he can talk back to the fans. He's walking around campus talking to people, and yeah, when Ty- when Larry Tice said that one, that was another one. I was you know really I because tr- he said I travel a lot. I'm a part of this group and that group. I don't. And he said I don't want people. I honestly don't want people to know when I'm not home. I have a wife and daughters living there. <laughs> And also, I have the theory that it's not about me; it's about the department. That's a I can weird get, response. Uh, yeah, I can. You know, that seems like the kind of response you go with because it's unbreakable, but it's not the best response. It, it's kind of the cheap response, maybe. It's it, really a cheap response. Uh, I mean, just going off of just what I know, um, that's that's also kind of saying that my wife and child can't survive without me at the same time like even though i am not at home because i'm at work i, I don't know it's just like it's just it's just yeah he also contradictory he al- to me he also uh, i know what you're referencing he also mentioned that he doesn't want people knowing when he's home and when he's not and i'm like 
you know you don't have to tell yeah. on Twitter where your location at all times, Larry. Yeah, just because every once in a while you you know show that you're at a conference in New Orleans or show that you're doing something in Oklahoma, that, that that's fine. We want to know what you're doing. We we don't want to know your exact schedule when you're away from home and not. That's yeah. yeah we don't need to, to post you're, a picture at yeah, your office every yeah, day, Larry. You're not getting. Like, is he afraid to, he's going to get threats from alum or, you know, something like that? I mean, that could be a thing also. It, it's possible. Because that's now that they're about. flying banners that say fire ties, him making a Twitter account probably isn't the best way to get positive feedback like he wants. Yeah. It's a really good I way mean, to regardless, get negative no matter, feedback. No matter what the decisions you make, I mean, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, guys, let's go ahead and move on. From the like I said, it, we were t- we were we just finished discussing the Denise Trout Larry Tice interview that we just released on our blog. So if you haven't heard that and you're like, what are these guys talking about? Go check that out right now. Come back and listen to what we just talked about. We'll probably have some of those clips on Friday's Bobcat Radio as well. Absolutely, also absolutely. Post game from the Withers doing you know after the game Thursday, which we're about to get to that. But there's one more thing, one more little tiny thing I want to talk about before we move into Texas State football. It, it is related to football. Uh, Mark and I, you and I were were at the ULL game. We were reporting it. Um, you neither you or, you or I saw this happening. There was a gentleman at the game with a fire Tice flag. Yeah, we weren't even we were completely unaware of that until, it, until it was on I Twitter. Saw that. It yeah, was yeah. all over the internet. On Twitter, yeah. yeah. So what we what we know is I, I forget the the Twitter account. Someone could pull it up probably. He 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 himself posted a picture of himself and everything. Um, so he. Uh, he had this – it was just a white flag with the words fire – hashtag fire Tice written across it. Um, and he was escorted out of the stadium. And and from what we've been told, he was told he wasn't allowed because the stadium had strict no flag policy. I can't verify or unverify that personally. Um, so if I bring a Texas State flag and – Boom. There you go, Peyton. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah. It, when, so if I bring a Texas State or an American flag, when, when it's they're going to escort me out? When it's a packed UCSA game, when it was a packed Houston game? They didn't care. But it's because yeah. the message. And, and more than likely, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of a touchy subject. What are your guys? What are your guys' opinions on that? As far as is it okay for the guy to have that flag? Should Texas State allow him to be there the entire Personally, game and have that flag? I think it looks worse on you if you do escort him out rather than if you just let him stand up there all game and just hold up the flag. You know, like. I mean, I guess he's not doing anybody any harm. Other no, than he, I mean, just, he was standing by himself, just up in the corner, just chilling, just expressing uh, himself. Uh, yeah, I, I agree you, with Peyton. You look at it like three times during a game, and then you just go back to watching the football game. Like you, you notice it, and you're like, you forget about he, it. Yeah, he's just yeah. there. And I mean, but then you like you look over, and he's gone, or like you see people like like come and like grab him and escort. And him then your out first here. thought is, oh, I wonder what's happening. And you go to your Twitter, and you see, the, yeah, or yeah, or you're just like, well. You have the opinion of good that guy left, or why did that? Why the heck why did they kick him right? out? Yeah, yeah. So, Mark. I don't know. I guess uh, I'm kinda, I kind of agree with Peyton in that case because I mean, if he's just standing there holding it out, somebody. I mean, it's still going to be on the internet. And if you don't escort him out, I mean, it's going to make him the guy who was holding the sign look even more stupid. But uh, the fact that they escorted him out is kind of sketchy in a way. It makes him look like a hero. Yeah, it's kind of sketchy because uh, it's going to cause, I guess. I need a- <laughs> it's going to cause all kinds of fans and uh, I guess people that are, you know, affiliated with Texas State football to just to wonder, like, why would they escort him out? Is there something wrong with Mr. T's or what? Like, is there an issue? 
No, uh, if you were unaware of the situation. If you were unaware, you, you probably assume. I guess you would have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You start coming um, to a conclusion. Here's another thing I want to I want to bring up real quick. We know on Twitter, because uh, obviously we're so involved in Texas State's Twitter stuff with KGSW Sports, but we know that there is also something going on at this week's game where several people are planning to attend the game wearing ties, half cut off or cut ties. Cut ties with ties. Cut ties with ties. We'll keep an eye on that if that actually happens or not. But that, that is apparently what people are planning on doing for Thursday's game. We will, of course, if you want to keep an update on that, we'll probably be looking out for it while we're at the game ourselves, uh, dressed in normal attire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, we can't wear cutoff ties? Please don't. Please don't. Okay. okay. Please don't. Peyton, Peyton, don't forget, you're in the studio with me. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, we're going to wear. No, we're <laughs> not doing. We're He's not in the studio that, like schoolboy Q. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so that's what's going to be going on when the Bobcats take on Georgia Southern. The, tomorrow, or I guess later today, actually, when this podcast is released, uh, it'll be later that evening. Guys, let's go ahead and move on to Texas State football. Normally, we start the first 20 minutes of Texas State football. There was so much to get to. We're just not getting to it. Uh, so they're coming off of a loss to ULL, Louis- University of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, they were down 28 nothing going into the half, and they were able to put up a lot of offense in the second half. Tyler Vid had a good game. Keenan Brown, once again, looked really good. Hutch White had himself a day. Good for, good for the kid from Kerrville. So, Called it. Um, what are y'all's initial reactions from that loss? Uh, Mark, I'm going to start with you. You were at the game with me. We spent the entire third quarter with the fogged up, <laughs> fogged up mirror. <laughs> yep. But other, we were able to watch the game for the most part. What are your general thoughts? Well, uh, the second half kind of caught my attention. Uh, the reason why I said it is because like, they were able to put up nearly 30 points in just two quarters. Now Look, they're looked significantly like almost like a different team. Yeah, it's like they came up with some conclusions you mean look or like something. A real team. See, this is the thing: you can't start Ooh. off slow. You can, like they started off like horrible. Twenty-eight zip. I mean, here's a good example. So by halftime, Texas State only had a total of 110 yards of offense, and then ULL had 340. That's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. These guys. So if you can only rack up 100 yards before half, I mean, how do you expect to win? That doesn't make any sense. And if you're down 28 to zip, I mean, these guys did like. Tried their hardest to come back, but it just wasn't good enough. I mean, ULL was able to score two times in the second half, but they didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. Yeah, looking, of course, looking at those stats from the box score, Tyler Vitt ended up having himself a night, 28 for 39, 296 yards, three touchdowns. He also gained 92 yards on 17 carries. Had a really good game, looked really nice. Brendan, you're giving me a face. Uh, Keenan Brown, four catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns. Hutch White, 11 catches. He set a career record for himself, 60 yards. Also threw for a touchdown to the new wide receiver, Tyler Vitt. And then Tyler Watts, five catches, 42 yards. Jeremiah Jeremiah Haydell, two catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. He had the long 36 touchdown catch. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I thought offensively there's a lot of good to take away from that second half. You gave up a lot of rushing yards, though, over 327 total yards of rushing for Louisiana. And, and again, guys, no production from the running back spot for Texas State. Caleb Twyford led the team in rushing yards. He had six carries for 21 yards. Um, and then Robert Brown Jr. had three touches. Anthony Taylor had one. Brendan, what are your thoughts? Uh, so I'm going to start with, you know, just kind of touch on the UL game. The reason it went so poorly, I just look at Texas State's first four drives. First four drives. Fif- they ran 15 plays, three three and outs. They gained 25 yards. 15 plays, 25 yards to start the ball game, your first four drives. Their average start of uh, where they started the average possession at their own 26. Then get this, their first possession. This really got me. Their first possession, first and 10, Robert Brown, three-yard run. Second and seven, Robert Brown, three-yard run. Third and four, Vit incomplete. 
Their next possession, Texas State starts on their own three after the interception by mm-hmm. by uh, Deshaun Waddy. By Deshaun Waddy. It was a great play. Great play mm-hmm. by Deshaun Waddy. They start on their own three. They come out and run three passes. They complete incomplete, uh, three yards to Hutch White, incomplete. What is that? W- w- your running game on the first series picked up six yards on two carries. That's solid. I don't see why that's something to say. Go away from it. Then when you're on your own three-yard line, which in football, most teams I've ever heard of run the ball to, to get, get breathing room. To get out of the end zone. And we couldn't do that. Texas State throws I mean, the ball three you're times. You're talking about a team that ran a quarterback draw in their own touchdown. With a freshman quarterback in his who's not Who's more of a pro-style quarterback, it, not it, scrambling. It, it's simply just appalling. And then to start out that mm. slow and your play calling looks that bad in the first few possessions – I don't know. You, that's why you can't bounce back. You were down 28 nothing. That's why they had no chance to bounce back when you're already down that much. Yeah, it, it's just you put yourself in such a deep hole. And even when they, they clearly figured it out in the second half, they ended up with a you know, pretty solid game. They had 301 yards passing, 124 yards rushing. It's over 400 yards of offense. Uh, in really just one half. Really in yeah. a half. I yeah. mean, yeah. You, you, got, you got about 320 of it in the second half. So uh, if you can put up a 650-yard game, you're going to win every time in this conference. If you can put up a 400-yard game and then play the defense they normally do, you'll win most of your games. Yeah, exactly. So it was such an anomaly that first half as far as just how poorly they played. It, it Plain and simple, I'm going to go ahead and say it. They didn't look prepared. It didn't look like the coaching staff had them prepared coming into that first half. Coach Withers more or less said that in the, in the very few words he did say in the postgame presser. One of the things he did say was he took responsibility and that his team clearly wasn't ready. Uh, so – I don't How know. Are you not ready? That's you're, you're that's almost like, that's I'm the most concerning way in. But you're like one third of the way. What in. people are forgetting is this was the game after a bye week, so they had two weeks yeah. to get ready. How for this. are you not ready? That's what's the most concerning. Uh, let's go look at. Um, I just want to look at one of the bright dusted. spots. I just want to look at one of the bright spots. Tyler Vitt, the true freshman quarterback, had himself a day. He looked really good. He made all the right reads. They didn't ask him to throw the ball down the field a ton. His longest completion was 36 yards, but no turnovers. Zero interceptions. Ran for over 90 yards on the ground. He still think he's running too much, personally. I still yeah. think they're running the ball with the quarterback it's too much. 17 times. I mean, he had 111 yards. A couple, of those, were, a couple of those were just because he had to scramble. They yeah. weren't all designed runs. Exactly. Um, but still, um, still, he definitely got more designed runs than the running backs did. No doubt about that. But, um, but thir- 28 for 39, 296 yards, three touchdowns. I can't remember the last time a quarterback tech state put up numbers like that. Like, honestly, I, I, I don't think Damian Williams ever no. got any close to that. My thing is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know Brendan wants to talk, <laughs> wants to touch on this whole Tyler Vitt situation, but, uh, I just think we need to run the ball more. And I, yes, Vitt may have it. He's, he did really solidly. Uh, but you're not giving them, What's the best way to put this? You're not uh, – you, you, they know you're going to pass the ball at that point. And, and also what, uh, what flabbergasts me is the inconsistency of play about on Texas State football. Like every single game, there's been different problems. Different problems every game. One game it's, one game it's defense. One game it's offense. One game it's uh, the backfield. Sometimes it's the run D. I, I mean, any way they can hurt us, they have. And it, I don't know. They, and I guess it goes to the whole part of them not being ready. But if you have nearly two weeks to scout out your opponent, 
which is a fairly fairly doable opponent. At the same time, granted, they were kind of preparing for both since they knew they were having having a short week this week playing Georgia Southern. Oh, yeah. So Withers talked about a lot. Like we're preparing for both opponents during the bye week. So kind of cut maybe some time away, but still not enough an excuse. More of starting no. practice tomorrow, right, Reed? What's that? He said he's more of the starting practice tomorrow, correct? Yeah, I mean. Man, it's such a frustrating game. Uh, Mark, you were at the game. You watched Tyler Vitt. What do you? What are your thoughts on how Tyler Vitt played? Honestly, uh, if I were to grade him on a scale from zero to ten, I give him a seven point three. And the reason why I say that is because why the point three? I don't know. I just like to the seven doesn't uh, surprise me. What's with the point three? I just want to sound professional, you know, Um, (laughs) just just to put it out there. But like uh, in general, I I believe he had a fairly good game. I mean, he was pressured a lot, uh, especially in the first half. But he still, yeah. yeah. But the thing is. The fact that he's only a freshman and he's able to make these throws and he's able to not have any turnovers to a team that's dominating us by the second half, like, no, prior to the second half, uh, that's that's incredible. No, I thought he played exceedingly well. He had guys in his face. That's that's the reason he wasn't able to get going in the the first half. You mentioned they never established the run, and so he had guys in his face, and he was getting pummeled and chased out of the pocket. That's why he was never able to establish a rhythm, and you have a true freshman quarterback in his first start. You have to get him in a rhythm. And he was able to carry the torch. That's and for sure. And whenever they were able to keep him in the pocket and let him get going, he he was able to be effective in the second half. Now, we t- I, I was telling you all the docket for this, and I said mentioned to Tyler Vitt was gonna, we were going to talk about Tyler Vitt, and Brendan was like, oh, I want to go last. So, Brendan, I gave you the opportunity to go last. Thank you. Real quick, be- before you start, someone starts throwing this out, I'm not by any means against Tyler Vitt. I'm not a Tyler Vitt hater. I'm fine with him. Here <laughs> comes the roast session. But Drum roll. <laughs> we, we, we have, uh, as a department, as, as a KCW Sports, I feel like we've been buying in kind of a lot too early. Sure, you know, he put up almost 300 yards passing, another nice game, game uh, nice yards on the run, over 90 yards. Put up some offense, all that being in the second half because you were shut out in the first half. Uh, but where I'm going with this is, that's the reason he got all those stats. He was trailing 28 to nothing. They couldn't run the ball. He had to throw the ball this many times. He had to try to make plays to give them a chance. You know, it's kind of those empty combined – I don't want to say empty stats, but, you know, it's, just, it's those makeup stats, almost garbage time stats. But let me, let me, let me counter you. If, uh, if, you, if you knew he was, he was going to play from behind and, you, and he knew he was going to have to throw the ball a lot, Texas State knew they were going to throw the ball a lot. Didn't you allow another guy to throw the ball a lot as well? So – wouldn't that still kind of say, well, he played well against a good ULL defense? Uh, you know, defense probably playing a little, a little softer, being up twenty-eight nothing, a little bit of a lead. Just look, you know, we're giving Tyler. This is what kind of baffles me. Giving Tyler Vitt a lot of praise right now, despite you know he was down twenty-eight nothing at half. Uh, when Willie Jones's last start, or not last start, but last Sunbelt game against South Alabama, he was winning seventeen to three. Willie Jones was having leads. Tyler Vitt's is playing with deficits. And that's with, in this uh, Louisiana game, the Bobcats as a team committed their fewest penalties in the season. They only committed, committed three penalties for 30 yards. Uh, and some of Tyler Vitz, or not Tyler Vitz, and some of uh, Willie Jones' starts, the Rutgers game, which when I was doing these, kind of trying to compare the two, I kind of threw out the Rutgers game because, you know, first game of the season, the whole team looked bad, uh, and it was, you know, Power 5 school. At the same time, the Texas Southern game, I kind of halfway count it, kind of don't because, once again, SES. And then it kind of threw out the UTSA game because Tyler Vitt had to play most of that game and didn't know that he was going to be playing that game. I thought he played exceedingly well in the UTSA game. No, and that was kind of those one of those first times where I was like, man, we might have something here. Like, honestly, uh, the way he played it, I was honestly – I'm still more sold from his performance in the UTSA game than I am from this one. The ULL game just kind of reaffirmed me. I was like, this kid can play. Uh, 
And Brendan, I, I get what you're getting at. But if you look at their stats, Tyler Vitt has already been significantly better than Willie Jones was in a shorter amount of time in bigger situations. So if you look at last year, you look at Willie Jones. He played against, was it Louisiana Lafayette mm-hmm. last year? He went 18 for 37, 281 yards in the interception. He ran for 170 yards. There's no arguing that Willie Jones is the better runner. Willie Jones is probably the better athlete. Just from the eye test and from what I've seen from Tyler Vitt, he's just the better passer. And once he learns to limit the turnovers, which is something Willie Jones is very good at. You've got to give him credit for that. Willie Jones is pretty good at limiting the turnover, and maybe that's why they wanted to go with him because they knew he'd be, he'd be safe with the ball. I just think it's one of those situations where – when you look at Tyler Vitt and you put him next to Willie Jones, Willie Jones is definitely a good athlete and probably a capable quarterback. I just think Tyler Vitt has the potential to be very good. Oh, he, he does. But once again, I'm thinking right now, you know, I'm Everett Withers. I'm trying to save my, you know, I'm trying to keep my job having being five and 24 of my first three seasons. Willie Jones is right now, Willie Jones is the quarterback that gives you a better chance to win ball games, 100%. But let me ask you this if you put him in that game against UTSA, right? Do you think if UT if he plays that entire game against the UTSA, uh, he, let's say even with his slight, he had the leg injury, right? Um, let's say the, he plays with leg injury, but he doesn't get hurt. He just kind of plays through the game. Do you think they win the game? Yeah, the way the defense was playing, I definitely think so. Okay. Like, like I said, South Alabama, he came out and he had the 17-3 lead in the first quarter. He had a 31-16 lead in the third quarter. Then why does Texas State lose the game? Tyler Vitt throws an interception. Well, you know – Get, get does get thrown in, you know, kind of unexpectedly, but you always got to be ready for the backup quarterback, freshman. But they lose because he comes in for the run a couple plays, throws a pick six. All I'm saying is Tyler Vitt has, has has grown very fast at a very fast rate. And if we were let's 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 change things up right now. Let's say we're three and one right now, and same situation except for we won the South Alabama game and we won the UTSA game. But Willie Jones is hurt. He got hurt against UTSA. Tyler Vitt won that game, so we're three and one. I'd say, yeah, let's play, Ty- let's play Willie Jones. He's clearly the better ball handle. He's got more experience. You're one in four. You're not even guaranteed to win another game this year. You have this true freshman that's quarterback that's showing tons of potential. Get him in the ball game. Get him reps. If Everett Withers, I mean, it's just it's one of those situations. I'm sorry. I know we wanted to see them improve. They haven't. The only way, so it's one of those situations. I would rather Tyler Vitt get reps right now. Than Willie Jones, I'm just I just think the the ceiling for Tyler Vitt is higher, but that's just my opinion. Man, this is a real dilemma. Right I mean, there's here. an actual player for proof. Oh. Uh, Hutch White, we got some audio from Dude, him the other day. Hutch White for quarterback still for me, honestly. I don't know what y'all are talking He's about. He's like five for six now. Huh? But you remember five what Hutch White said? Six like and three, what, touchdowns? three touchdowns. Yeah, you, you tell me that, another Reed? quarterback <laughs> that has that. Reed, remember that at the uh, the post game conference when Hutch White was uh, he he gave out his opinion expressing uh, Tyler Vitt's uh, I guess performance. And you remember he said uh, he was able to adjust to the system quick for a freshman. He was able to utilize yeah. the other plays. And that's why it was very was very positive. On yeah, he was saying that he was a baller. Remember at the end, of the, he, like so. Basically, just to summarize, he so was a baller. So was Keenan Brown. Yeah. So uh, Keenan Brown is a baller. I don't know. Shot caller. I just had the situation where I think Tyler Vitt, especially now that you're one and three, and the odds of making any kind of bowl game or, or anything like that are very slim. I just say give Tyler Vitt reps. Let it, let him, and even if they want to do the revolving door situation and get both of them reps, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine with that as well. Uh, I mean, that's like doable. I, like I said, if we were three and one right now, I'd say play Willie Jones because he's the safer play. But when you're one and three, and let's be honest, the ceiling for your football team isn't very high, play the guy with the potential. That's just my thoughts on that. That's what you think. But 
that's kind of an unfair thing about college football. So you're pretty much saying, oh, Willie Jones is a sophomore. Your career here is done. We're going with the younger guy. Your career here is done. I just think Tyler <laughs> Vitt, up to this point in the season, I just think Tyler Vitt's been the better quarterback. And I and I just think if you just watch them warm up, it's pretty clear that Tyler Vitt's a more – is just a more pure pa- better passer. a better quarterback or is it that Willie Jones doesn't fit the playbook that Withers has? I think Willie Jones fits the playbook actually fairly well because they run the ball so much. Or maybe that's the problem. Now, now maybe he should give Willie Jones more more throws, so more reps. You're more, probably more you're attempts. honestly probably right, but that also applies to Tyler Vitt. I think I think the reason Tyler Vitt is kind of thrived right now is because because we're always behind in games, they're playing more of a spread, open it up, throw it down the field offense. And I think Tyler Vitt fits more into your ground and pound with the dink and dunk offense. I think that's just kind of what fits him better. Let him be an athlete. Whereas with Tyler Vitt, he's a pocket passer. Let him hit his athletes. So I don't know. That, that could also contribute. There's a, there's a lot you could say to contribute it, to contribute to the situation. Um, but as of right now, I think the guy's got to be Vitt for now. Especially I mean, with how he performed against ULL in that second half. I mean, I guess your theory expressing like utilizing both quarterbacks can cause a few issues because you look at uh, past teams like, you know, for example, Trevor Knight and Baker Mayfield. That's a good example. Or Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray. That's another and good example. Any, any tandem Notre Dame throws out. Mason Rudolph and yeah. uh, what's his name? Mason Rudolph. Who was that guy? Uh, J.W. Walsh. Or Jalen yeah. Hurts or Tua. <laughs> Tua. Yeah. Tua. But that's again, all those, teams are, all those teams are competitive and expecting to win things. We're not. So that's the biggest difference there. Will Keenan Brown get drafted? Something to talk about. I Absolutely. believe so, yeah. He Absolutely. definitely has the potential. Dude, there's a huge, huge market for tight ends. I think he's a six-round guy. I th- yeah, I mean, uh, right, right here. It's, uh, according to Pro, Ball, Pro Football Focus.com, it says Brown has the top receiving grade in the nation at 91.4. Dude's mostly his work after the catch, which he's averaged nine point, well, nine yards after reception. There are, there's literally a whole team that work for NFL teams that look at these kind of stats, those weird underneath the carpet kind of stats that nobody ever actually like thinks of um and keenan brown has those i mean look at this guy he's like he can be another well he's not as fast as vernon davis but he has like definitely the uh the athleticism that can compete with him i think if you truly want to assess if he's an nfl guy you have to really break down his tape and look at his blocking how how, how he blocks mm-hmm. how he moves um I, I thought when i watched the utsa game specifically the utsa game when they gave Keenan Brown the ball, he was clearly the best athlete on the field. He was just head and shoulders. You could tell that he was a guy who belonged in a Power 5 conference and he was playing in a G5 conference. I mean, I just look at his size, too. Simple He's 6'3", 250, and he can move like that. And he moves. Yeah. He, I mean, people forget coming out of high school, he was a, wide rec- he was a top-rated wide receiver. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he so, was. Um, oh, he would, he would of course, be an animal in the NFL. And yeah, your I think, favorite, your I favorite think, team offered him. Like I said, I think, yeah. I think he's a five, fifth to sixth round guy. I really do. I just I would put him in the second or third round. Again, huh. to put him that high, I've got to see how he blocks. I, I, I just, I'd have never. I just, regardless, I just think there isn't a huge, huge market for tight ends, especially in college. You don't ever, you don't ever see tight ends that are breakthrough in college. Mike Gasicci would be really mad at you right now. I, Jake I, Butt I would know, be mad too. I know. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, there's a like, there really is a couple, but you always like, they're, they're nothing compared to. Uh, wide receivers, I would argue that Travis Kelsey is one of the best receivers. No, he, he probably in the NFL. Oh, he probably yeah, is yeah. the best receiving tight end, right? You, well, you, I wouldn't you don't know say, him for his blocking. I wouldn't even, yeah, I wouldn't even say just like re, like tight end receiving. He's un, 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 uh, undoubtedly the greatest uh, tight end in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, Ooh. But you saying that with Gronk still alive? 
Yes. I agree with you, but a lot, yes. of, but, but yes. a lot, a lot, yes. a lot <laughs> of the Patriot boys will start popping out of nowhere. They're everywhere. No, I know. They, they come out of the woodwork. Well, we'll, like, we'll see Sunday night for that. Um, but no, it be, uh, like tight ends have a huge market, just like defensive ends uh, do as well. Absolutely. Uh, guys, before we move on to actually previewing the game, Brendan, you want to <coughs> say something real quick? I was going to say, he, he'll get drafted, I think, higher, definitely higher in the sixth round. A bunch of tight ends got drafted last year. You didn't know about him. Uh, <laughs> and, and out of small schools, too. Uh, Dallas Goddard. He goes, I'm pretty, was it second round? He was from North Dakota State. North same Dakota school, State. Same school as Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz yeah. uh, you get a guy out of Central Michigan, guys out of Hurst, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, Hayden Hurst out of South Carolina. He's one of the top tight ends off the board. But regardless of whatever, uh, whatever round he gets drafted by, this guy will definitely make a name for himself. Given like the first two years of his career, you would hope so. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I guess you're saying that because Ricky Seals Jones at A&M coming out of wide receiver got drafted, and now he's getting and he's a solid tight end. Yeah, pretty. Solid I mean, well, look end, at so. his size though; that makes sense. Yeah, it's good. I mean, that's good news for Texas State football. They can say they produced an NFL guy, even though they really didn't. They just got handed one. I mean, we do have one right now, pretty much for uh, Carolina. But you know, yeah, uh, so I, so I want to go ahead and before we get to Georgia Southern, I want to break down the post game press conference audio. Coach Withers in his behavior after they lost to ULL. Um, he was very short with us. It was it was myself, Mark, Kev Chardello with the you know, Austin American Statesman, and Nick Castillo and his intern Drew King were all there. That that was the media crew, and of course some people that are up there with Tech State Athletics were in the room as well. Withers came in, was giving us very short answers. Uh, I think the press conference lasted two minutes, maybe maybe two and a half and minutes. It was, it was not long at all. Um, short, short and a brief. He he kind of came after Kev. Um, let's go ahead and play that that press presser mostly in its entirety um, but i take 100 percent responsibility questions tyler vitt first career start true freshman pretty solid game you didn't feel same with the assessment i know you're taking on a lot of blame for i, did, I didn't get tyler ready to play in the first half but in the second half he looked good what was his what happened at i think coach elliott did a good job of getting him schooled up in the second half what was the difference as a whole for the offense in that second half? The offensive coaches did a good job of getting their guys ready to play. QB draw on fourth down right there. I mean, Not a QB draw. Not a QB draw when designed that way? No. I, okay. What, what was the play? I know we were at the play on that. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what the play was well, so mean, we don't have to use it again. I don't mean the exact matchup. Yes. Obviously, a very frustrating loss. I can tell you're frustrated. Um, can you? I can. Yes, sir. Wow. I sure can. And you're the guy who's telling everybody that guy's starting, right? The yeah, guy. Tyler Bitt. Yeah. yeah. How'd you find that out? I have my words. So Hope it's not administrators or players. Questions? Good team. Yeah, absolutely. Balanced offensive attack, team that rushing, passing. Was it what you were expecting? You know, we need to good running backs, but kind of what you were expecting? Yes. So after this, how do y'all go preparing for next week? Start practice tomorrow. When you say you take 100% of the responsibility, what do you have to do going forward? Be a better head coach. Whatever. Whatever from A to Z. Look at look at the A to Z. Evaluate everything A to Z.
Good. You mentioned having the bi weeks at the very end. Mm -hmm. Why didn't that translate to financial performance? I don't know. I need to find out because I didn't do a good job. All right, so that now that you've heard the post-game presser with Coach Withers and, and how he reacted, um, guys, what are you, let's start with you, Mark. You were there. Uh, what are your thoughts? Okay, overall, uh, I was – I mean, I was confused. I was wondering why would he just be so short and brief with all – I mean, we had, some, we had some good questions that were asked. I thought we did. Yeah, I, we had some good questions. I asked know? a one yes or no question, but it was, it was a question that could have been – elaborated on but at the same time if you were to put yourself in his shoes i mean you, you just blew a game 42 to 27 uh, with two weeks of preparation yeah uh, yeah it, it, the thing that stands out to me the most is the way he um he the way he first thing he says is i take full responsibility for how the way my team performed and then proceeded to be short with media and give us one to two word answers that doesn't s strike me as someone who's taking full responsibility. So that was my general takeaway. I, I just think it wasn't handled very professionally. Yeah, so. and he didn't have to. He didn't really have to come after. Uh, I mean, Kef. No, I mean, after not when at he all. said because Kef was trying to get. I mean, he was trying to get even, not in like not in a negative way, but he was trying to, I guess, suppress that negativity coming from Coach Withers. He's doing his best. Yeah, exactly. I thought I thought Kef handled it about as gracefully as he could. Oh, um, Kef handled like such a pro. Yeah, he did. The, he he handled it like I said about as good as he could have. Uh, it was an unfortunate situation. Uh, another thing I want to talk about, guys, at Monday's press conference, Coach Withers talked about was talked about how he was disappointed in his team, and he kind of came after Brian London, saying Brian London specifically, and of course Brian London, the junior linebacker, another guy who's probably going to the NFL draft, and he captain came, of the team, captain one of your one of your team captains, came after him, saying that Brian London needs to play better. Guys, I when I look at the stats. Brian London recorded 10 total tackles, five of them solo. He had a tackle for loss. Um, it's a pretty solid game to me. Now, I don't know. I didn't break down the entirety of, of the film. He might have missed some tackles. Th thank you for saying that. I, I hate when we get two loss in stats. We don't, you know, stats yeah. don't show every play. That's true. Exactly. But I, I think that's more of, you know, that could be more Withers has such high expectations for Brian London. It's possible. And he, he kind of says in that press conference, if Brian London's not having a big-time game, we're not winning games. They rely on Brian London to be a difference maker. In Again, double-digit tackle is a pretty good game. And uh, he, he might have called him out and kind of like, you know, pointed a finger. But, I mean, he is the captain of the team. And he does hold a little bit of responsibility for his players and just kind not necessarily how they play and execute, but really like he – you know he's as a he's in a leadership role, so when someone when they need to step up in a certain area, it's automatically gonna kind of point to him. So you think it could be one of those situations where, uh, to get the message to the rest of the defense, he attacks the guy who's at the top, and says, "Hey, this guy didn't do his job as well as the rest of y'all, but I can't exactly go after the rest of y'all, so I'm gonna go after uh, the main guy." Yeah, it could be one of those. But situations. no coach should ever blame a player. Uh, I mean, there's there's instances where you can. I just didn't feel like this was one of them. But again, I haven't seen the. I haven't looked through and watched every single play Brian Lennon had in that game. I'm, there might have been a play or two where he missed a tackle. I mean, again, he's the star of your defense, and your defense gave up over 40 points. So there's definitely reason to be disappointed. Th I think they missed AJ Krawczyk in that game too. AJ Krawczyk was out. He was in concussion protocol, is what we learned. Mm, yep. So uh, so he was out of there. Deshaun Wadi, uh, Josh Newman played. I thought he didn't do terrible, but. Um, Again, so let's go ahead and, and move to Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern coming into town 4-1. and one. Their only loss is the number two-ranked Clemson Tigers. 
uh, a game that I really I watched it physically. I didn't think they were overmatched, at least defensively to offensively. Offense to defense, that Clemson D line was a monster. Have I said that I think Clemson's overrated on this show before? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Probably yeah, their are. offense. I just don't think they really know what their offense is. But <laughs> this isn't a Clemson <laughs> podcast. This yeah. is a Georgia Southern podcast. Georgia Southern runs the triple option. They had three guys get over eighty yards rushing last week. Their quarterback Shy Wirtz. Uh, he's a dual threat guy. Doesn't throw the ball super well, but he can. Um, so my question I post to y'all, will Texas State remain within 10 points of the Eagles or will this be double-digit loss number 21? I'm going to go with Twins. the second part you said, double-digit loss, because, I mean, the reason why I say that is because, Hot I mean, think about it. I know you're going to ask us if we can stop the triple option. No, we can't, because if you look at ULL's game, we couldn't even stop the run. They're running back some – both running backs they had had – Now, old. to be fair, Trey Regis is probably the best back in the Sunbelt Conference. I mean, that, I mean that, that'll work, but at the same time, um, if we can't stop the run with them, what makes you think we can stop the run with Georgia Southern, given that they've blown out just about every team they've played in the conference? No, absolutely. It doesn't – it's not exactly an optimistic game for us going into it. But it's one of those things you have to at least consider. I mean, Alex Gibbs is actually sitting in our producer room – he brought up the point, if Texas State was able to somehow win this game, would that indicate that we could somehow make something out of this season? Oh, um, most definitely. So I that's agree. a very optimistic yeah. view. We can still save this season, but we have to – literally it has to be now. Like, And uh, in this podcast before I used to say, oh, this is the game that's going to make or break us. Well, this is the game that's going to – I'll unplug your mic. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> this is the game that's – I, I'm not gonna say it again, but it it is gonna determine how the rest of the season's gonna go. Here, here's here's what I want to point. I also have the hottest take over here. When oh, okay, I want I want actually I'm gonna go to the hot take first. What's your hot take? Okay, so my hot take is no, I don't think we can stop the triple option either. At this, it's not a very hot take. No way. But at this point, I don't even think we could stop the uh, Rattlers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're definitely going to. Uh, <laughs> be uh, we're definitely going to be. For those of y'all, the Rattlers are the San Marcos Rattlers, the hi- local <laughs> high school high who school is team. one in three, one in four. Hey, they're pretty good. Um, but it's gonna, <laughs> they face it's, some really it's, tough it's, competition. It's gonna definitely going to be a double digit loss. And y- you put in here in the notes, it's going to be Coach Withers number twenty one double digit loss. Think about that. And, no, I, and I did a little bit of research. Okay, oh. so me being in Ohio, Peyton State did fan, research. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, me being an Ohio boop, State boop, fan, boop, boop. Uh, my first bullet is number 21 with like a lot of uh, exclamation points. And in Urban Meyer's 16 years as a head coach, coach for Of course he Ohio goes State. to Ohio State. Of course. <laughs> uh, he was a head coach for Utah, Bowling Green, Florida, and of course the Ohio State University. He's only lost 32 times in 16 years and only 15 times by double digits. I'm not sure how. I mean, Coach that, Withers has been a. That means half his losses are double digit. Why are you do yeah. this? Why are you doing this to the Bobcat fans right now, Peyton? Dude, I'm just telling you, <laughs> we're a different level. <laughs> Again, though, that means 25 of Withers' losses, 21 of his 25 losses, have been by double digits. Exactly. That's not a good look. And how many wins does he have? Five. Five. Boom. Single. That's not a good so. look at all. Well, guys, we're getting kind of close to the end of the show, but I, I really want to get some baseball talking, guys. Y'all know me. I'm wearing the jersey right now. Oh gosh. Go My Strolls. Houston Astros. Strolls. Just put the beat down on the Cleveland Indians, a team a lot of people thought. I mean, of course, we say it every year. Oh, they look really good, and then they just choke away in the yeah, playoffs. You, you Sorry, me, Peyton. You told me once, and Sorry, I just Peyton. didn't believe. But you. like uh, Boston's clearly a better team. They dude. really did. Here, here, here's here's what I want to point out. 
coming into that series, I was like, man, Cleveland's a good team. I was I was a little worried. I was like, Cleveland's a good team. They could beat us. And then Houston just handled them. I mean, oh yeah, never. Uh, there was I think the closest it ever looked was in Game Three for the first five innings. I mean, Clevenger was pitching really well for Cleveland. If I was they like, would have just played that like that kind of yeah, I baseball mean, that the was whole the, series. That was the only point where I was like, man, this, this this is a close game. This looks like a good series. And then all of a sudden, Houston dropped ten runs on them. And, and Houston then, was just and then Cleveland Cleveland, Cleveland fans were, Cleveland fans were were leaving before the end of the ninth inning, like the eighth inning. So. Um, now, my biggest takeaways from that series, I went into that series a little worried. I really did. And then we just handled them. Pi- the starting pitchers were nasty. Jarrett, Justin Verlander, you knew what he was going to do. Garrett Cole was from another planet in that game, too. Nasty with a G. With a G, bro. Yo, just Houston gross. just carried that Stormbreaker axe all the way through. This? Yeah, No, it's before the end. It's now, nasty. <laughs> the Astros are going to be taking on the Boston Red Sox. And the, the Boston looked pretty good against New York. Uh, well, the games were close. The games were close. Uh, last night's game, was, I, I just turned it on for the final two innings. It was fun. I, was, I mean, that was classic Boston, New York. You oh, get hold on, you said games were close? Game uh, the game four was close. Game four, okay. That was game all four. the games. <laughs> and yeah. 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 It was all game three. Uh, you got to take them glasses off, like Stephen A. Game Smith. four, game <laughs> one, and game two were all pretty competitive. Uh, uh, I think game three wipes all those. Game three was pretty bad. Was 16, 16, sixteen to one, and Brock Holt hit the first ever postseason cycle. Goodness, <laughs> no doubt about it. No, uh, yeah, they used the Stormbreaker X in that game. But it was, again, what I'm getting at is I don't even know what I'm getting at anymore. Thanks, Brendan. <laughs> 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 um, it's gonna be a fun series. Basically, it's a wrap. No, so so you have this series. It's first two games in Boston, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, it's going to be Sale versus Verlander, and then Cole versus Price. I think might be Porcello, but I think it's Price. Um, Hopefully not Price. <laughs> here's what I'm going to tell y'all right now. Uh, this might be a little biased because I'm an Astros fan. All Houston has to do is get to that bullpen. Really, I mean, there's maybe one or two pitchers in that bullpen that is re- really good. Uh, Houston has destroyed Chris Sale in the past. Last time they were in, I've, I've said it the past three weeks, the last time they were in Boston, they almost swept them. They are four for seven in the, the season series. It's four, Astros took four out of seven. So this is, I think this is a good series for, for Houston. I think, uh, it just honestly, as I watch the playoffs and, I, and the way they beat Cleveland, I don't think there's a team in the playoffs that can match the Houston Astros. It's just plain and simple. I think if you look out of the NL teams, I think the winner of this ALCS is the winner of the World Series, right? There's the lo- I mean, the loser of the ALCS is better than the winner of the NLCS. So you're saying the Dodgers going to have to just dodge their way back to L.A.? I, I still think Milwaukee could beat L.A. I really do. Uh, Milwaukee's a good team. People kind of forget about no, them. Yeah, they've, they, they don't kind of handled uh, the they Rockies. Don't ha- they don't have any like big-name pitchers. I mean, Gio Gonzalez, I guess. Jeremy Jeffers is a good reliever. But they don't like have J- any – Josh Hader. Josh Hader's <laughs> Josh Hader's probably the best lefty reliever in the league. I forgot. I kind of I forget about him. He's former Astro. You're a hater. I know he's a hater. <laughs> he's Darth Hader. Uh, hater. So no, Josh Hader's a good pitcher. They have they have some good arms. I, I still think Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee wins that game. Wins that series in seven. It's kind of my prediction there. Uh, just because I've I've just kind of seen what LA is capable of. I, I really don't want to play LA again to be honest. Just because I think we'd probably beat the snot out of LA. Um. But there's also that revenge factor, so they could have a little extra motive. Yeah, they're looking for revenge. Now, I think, summer, I think uh, either a Houston or a Boston series against Milwaukee would be a lot of fun. Well, look, I don't want to watch Golden State in the finals again, but we can't all get what we want. Yeah, Cleveland's not going to get revenge. 
They didn't last year. <laughs> no, they're not even going to get <laughs> that, close that, that, this that's year. That's a whole different story. But uh, yeah, going on that, I think I think Astros and Red Sox go seven. I I don't know who's going to win. I, I have Astros in six. I, I think I think it goes seven either way. Just both teams, both lineups are stacked. Both I just think pitching rotations are solid. I think the X factor is the Astros pitching is just way deeper. It's just it's. I me- I was listening to MLB Network, and one of the things they said is there are guys pitching out of the Astros bullpen uh, that would make up a lot of other teams starting five so that just goes to show how deep the pitching is and i think that's going to be the biggest difference in that series so i have astros and six you have yeah you think uh, it's going to seven it, I, I know i know it's always you know the pitching factor you know pitching defense when yeah, it's so big in the playoffs i think it's Bo- going to be pitch and they can socks hit. and two like i said they put up 16 no they have they have they have a valid offense but you also they're two MVP it, candidates. It, 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 i'll tell you what it is a battle of the powerhouses that's for sure uh, Cle- uh, Mr. Cleveland, what do you think? What are your predictions for uh, both I, the ALCS and the NLCS? I said the socks and two. Well, that's a five. I know, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was gonna say, <laughs> you, you, do, you do wear two socks. It's yes. like you do yes, know how yeah, the playoffs yeah. work. Oh, right? wait. Oh, we're not talking about actual socks. Oh, <laughs> I apologize. Um, no, I think it's going to be a really close game. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to have to say Astros and seven. Um, and then – Milwaukee, L.A. L.A.? So Milwaukee yeah, know, handled Colorado. Yeah, I know. Atlanta actually didn't look no, at yeah, Milwaukee match. really did handle <laughs> Milwaukee. Made the Rockies were not so Rockies. Now the Rockies didn't have great have, pitching. I'm gonna have to go Milwaukee in six. See, I, I have Milwaukee in seven, so that's a okay. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, no, yeah, because I, uh, I said it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Yeah, it's yeah. a good pick, Mark. So I'm going on both sides. They're going in seven. So Houston and Boston which are going to beat the snot out of each other, and they're going to just go all the way into the bitter end. And uh, same with NLCS. You got LA and. Milwaukee, um, going off their performance against the Rockies, uh, L.A. should uh, really, really get their guard up. So do you think the winner of the Strohs and the Red Sox is ultimately the Pretty much. The champion. I mean, you still have to go play that series. I the just undisputed think, champion. I just think it's like being in the West and then having to go. Play I just the think East either one of those teams that wins that series. I, like I said, I think Milwaukee puts up a competitive series, and I think it's fun. Um, I think it, I think I, it, if you, let's let's just assume. If Boston makes it, I think they beat Milwaukee in six. If Houston makes it, I think they beat Milwaukee in five. Uh, if L.A. makes it, L.A. might get swept, like, <laughs> honestly, by either Jeez. team. Yeah, so if L.A. were to make it, they'll, Houston and L.A. will basically be like Thanos with the Power Stone versus Thor without his axe. Yes, yeah, pretty that's, much. that's a pretty accurate description. One more, one more thing I want to ask you guys about. Wait, what do I always get skipped? I, get, I, didn't give, I didn't give an NL pick yet. You didn't get your, I asked you about your AL pick. You should have thrown it in there. Yeah, no, you, you got to throw it in the bag. Like, going on. So officially, I'm gonna say in the AL, I'm gonna say Boston seven. Playoff atmosphere is different. NL, it's gonna be the Dodgers in six. Hot take. Game because game one. I know you're on the road. You're in Milwaukee. Game one, you have Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw neutralized. That's that's pretty much a game. You get Kershaw. You're gonna get two Kershaw twice. That's a dub. Yeah. Uh, Rich Hill's still a solid starter. We saw what uh Ryu did in the start in the playoffs uh, a couple weeks last week. He looked solid. That was the uh, that was the Braves game, and then uh the rookie. I know it, it's hard uh, to trust the rookie, uh, trust rookies, but Bueller, he's been solid. Alex Woods out of the pin slash uh, long think, relief starter. I think pitching wise, LA is probably the best, the second best team in the playoffs. Yeah, and their offense yeah. has been looking pretty solid. Machado's. It's just up and down. But, you but can't ever trust their offense. Machado's had some home runs. Experience always plays a factor for me. Uh, I got Dodgers and six. Let me ask you this: You just said experience plays a factor, and then you're giving Boston the edge over Houston. Houston just fit played in two game sevens and won the World Series a year ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to ask you about that. Okay. People like, always tell me, well, Boston have playoff experience. Like, this team doesn't. The majority of this okay, so team experience does? only counts in the NL. <laughs> uh, you, wait, wait, you, know, you, know, you know who on Boston who has a, uh, a ring? Who's that? 
the manager. Alex Cora. The <laughs> yeah, for, the be, former Astros. Because of the Astros. Yeah, so he knows the Astros. I mean, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yes and no. Boston well, well, manager is the former Astros assistant. The Astros have a, cha- have, have a lot of alert. new players as uh-oh. well. That's Alex not Bregman's not the same Alex Bregman for a year ago. Speaking of Alex Bregman, that's the last thing we're going to end the show on. Alex Bregman, after oh, the sweep. The after this, after this, I just ordered my Mayfield jersey. Did you really? <laughs> yes, you got to wear that next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, will get to, we will get to the Browns next week. This is just a jam-packed show with the Larry Tice interview and all that. Um, after the game, Bregman <laughs> said his, his exact words were, does Floyd Mayweather fight in the first fight or the title fight? Does Tiger Woods tee off at 8 a.m. at the Masters or on primetime? So and he, he said, no, they get they get the primetime spot. So why aren't Houston Astros getting the primetime spot? Um, and his comment was towards the Astros played all of their games in this series at noon, at 1, whereas the a, the NL series, I think L.A. and Atlanta got a lot of primetime coverage, and then, of course, New York-Boston. Um as an Astros fan, I get where he's coming from. The defending world champs should be getting six o'clock, seven o'clock starts. I get that, but I mean, God, come on! It's Boston, New York. It's the no, rivalry, oldest, oldest. Yeah, you know. it's so America's game. The thing is, there there were games where I feel like there were games where I feel like on the off days of the of that series, Houston and in Cleveland should have been playing. On primetime, because if you think about it, those, that was probably the coming into the series was like that's the powerhouse matchup, right? Mm-hmm. Two of the two of the favorites should have been. It should have been, and then I think <laughs> Houston <laughs> proved that they're the powerhouse of the powerhouses. But um, I, know, I just wanted to get y'all's quick thoughts on two on best teams on the planet. ALC is right there. I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on Bregman saying we should get we should have been getting the national coverage because, uh, like I said, I agree with what I kind of get where he's coming from, but at the same time, I was kind of like, ah, as much as I really would like to see Houston playing at seven, like Boston, New York, it's hard to. To trump that that di- that gets the views. I understand yeah. why that was played at seven. Uh, yeah, pretty much right on because it, it, it's the brands, the uh, Yankees and Red Sox are going to kind of win that every time. At the same time, kind of kind of nice because both times or two of the games the Astros played during the day, I was driving. I drove to Fort Worth on Friday. I hopped in my car. I was listening for a little bit uh, to one radio show, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" Flipped it over. Boom! Found the Astros Indians game. I was like, "Okay, I can listen to this while drive." Listening to baseball on the radio, something special about it. You can't it's, do it. It's just different. It's not. It, you can't do it with other sports. I, I, I can, but baseball. It's just. It's higher. It's way much better. And then, on the way back on Monday, it's aesthetic. As, as I was in Austin, I was flipping through channels. Austin, I found one, and I was like, "Wait a minute, is that baseball here?" Like, oh, Astros <laughs> Indians playing right now. Tune into that for a little bit. It was when it was two two, and then all of a sudden, uh, it was five two, and I was like, "I'm not listening to this anymore." And I get an update. They win like ten to three, something yeah. like that. But that you know, having that luxury of them during the day was pretty convenient for me. But at the same time, Astros should be playing later and be seen in national coverage. Yeah, they're, they're the defending champs. Given that they're defending, defending champs. champs. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of a weird spot. It's like they're defending champs playing a really good team. you think they'd get that coverage. But, again, like I said, Cleve- uh, Boston, New York, it's hard to get coverage. And also no, they're going history. in with the second best they're record in the MLB. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Boston had won 108 games, so they had a great year. Again, I keep reminding people they played Baltimore like twenty times. Yeah, I know. Anyway, that's like that's like fifteen oh, guaranteed. You played wins. the Rangers a bunch. Come on now. That's you're, <laughs> I guess that's all, fair. All you do is tell me how bad they at suck. At least, so. at yeah. least you can say that <laughs> Baltimore is nowhere near as even like on that level of Texas. That is the nicest compliment you've ever given the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm even a Baltimore fan, and they're just that bad. But that's gonna do it for us here on Texas State Spit Talk. I hope y'all enjoyed it. It was a great episode we talked about a lot i hope we didn't get kdsw in trouble um again if you're new to the show this comes out normally every friday at noon this week it came out thursday just because the game texas state game is is going to be played 
later today on Thursday. But normally, the show will come out Friday at noon. Um, uh, yeah, make sure you tune into that. Again, KTSW blog. Please check it out. There's a lot going on. We have an interview with Larry Tice and Denise Trouth on, on it right now. So go right now. Once you're done listening to this, go to KTSW blog and listen to that right now. You need to. Um, also, again, check, check us out on Twitter at KTSW Sports and Bobcat Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11. Uh, and one last thing before we close it up, San Marcos Rattlers fans, we normally get to San Marcos football. There's just a lot going on. We are broadcasting that game against Steel tomorrow at 730. It will be Brendan and I, so make sure you hear that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You'll hear from us next week.